does it do you any good? Or you can entitle it, what is your exercise regimen? What is your exercise regimen? All right, 1 Timothy chapter 4. <clears throat> we'll begin in verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So that is the shape of the world. <clears throat> it's also the shape of God's people uh, before the Lord comes back. That in those latter times, these are things that are going on. Verse 2, speaking lies and hypocrisies, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. And uh, we live in a time just like that right now. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats. Uh, there, is, there is a church out there that does that. Uh, their, their priests are forbidden to marry. They take a vow of celibacy. That's what they say anyway. And then on Fridays, they can't eat meat. You say, what does the Bible say? Well, you just read it. This, this, is, this is no good. And uh, the idea that uh, you should not eat meat, uh, you should eat meat. Now, I didn't say you should eat red meat all the time. I didn't say that. Uh, but this idea that, oh, no, I'm just going to eat vegetables all my life, uh, that, that's not good either. And so there's groups of people that that's what they teach. Now, notice what verse three says. Keep reading. It says, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them, which believe and know the truth. Now, if you want to know why you pray before you eat, <clears throat> at least you should pray before you eat. If you don't pray before you eat, dogs don't pray before they eat. Uh, it says here to be uh, received with thanksgiving. Look down at verse five. For it is sanctified by the word of God and what? In prayer. <clears throat> I went somewhere and <clears throat> this guy, we were getting ready to eat and he, he started shoveling in his mouth and I was just teasing him. I really wasn't trying to aggravate him too terrible bad. And I said, you know, dogs don't pray for the <clears throat> All of a sudden, he was mad. I mean, mad. <clears throat> well, you, you have to get over that kind of stuff. All right, verse 4, for every creature of God is good. Now, that includes shrimp. That includes lobster. Uh, that includes catfish. Under the law, they weren't allowed to eat that stuff. Uh, but now, we can eat it. Now, I wouldn't suggest eating it all the time. Uh, there was a reason why the Lord uh, laid those dietary restrictions down, and it would have been for Israel's benefit, not for their harm. I don't know if, how many of you know it, but uh, it was the Jews under the law that took a shower. They bathed in running water, which uh, you should know is the most, uh, it is the best way to take a bath. Um, now, a lot of the other old timers, you know, fill up a big tub full of water and four or five people take a bath in it. Well, you know, everything is a spreading. So, uh, the Jews did not do that. They, uh, they bathed in running water. 
Verse 4, for every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. So if you can bow your head and thank God for it, you need it. Now, the idea of legalism is where somebody's going to take the Old Testament law, lay it down on the church and say, <clears throat> you have to do this to either get saved or you have to do this to be right with God. Now, that's what legalism is. Uh, now, that's not what everybody thinks it means. What most people call legalism is they want to live like the devil, and they don't want you to say nothing about it. So they can go out here and live just like hell, but don't you open your mouth. Because if you do, I'm going to call you a legalist. They call me whatever they want. That's not going to bother me, not one iota. I would not lose one ounce of sleep. Matter of fact, if they said that to me, I'd laugh at them. Because that's just how ignorant they are. All right, verse 6. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. And so there's the point. The point is, everything that's created, you thank God for it, need it. Now, if you can't thank God for it, then I probably wouldn't need it. Um, but <clears throat> if you thank God for it, you know, fire it up. Uh, my dad was born back in the Depression, and uh, he was telling me that, you know, when they would get real hungry, uh, they would go raccoon hunting and possum hunting, and, uh, and they would eat them. Now, I've never ate a raccoon, and I've never ate a possum. In my mind, that's right there with spam, and uh, those are things you ought not eat, but I've never been starving that bad. If I was starving that bad, I guess, you know. Spam, spam, is, one of, spam is one of God's finest creations. I just uh, oh, that makes me want to gag. <laughs> oh. <laughs> can't do it. I, I can. Yeah. Okay, verse but refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. I'd like you to underline to exercise <clears throat> thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little. It does have profit, though. You should exercise. You need to move. You want to live? Move. You want to die quick? Just don't move. <laughs> it's that simple. Uh, you say, well, you know, Brother Paul, I know, I know, I know, I know. The truth is you got to move. Now, I don't care how you move. Uh, some people, the, the strongest muscle in their bodies, their jaws, <clears throat> you know, they talk all the time. So, you know, I know they can exercise, but, you know, it ought to be more than just your jaws that are a, um, a strong muscle in your body. But bodily exercise profiteth little, but it does profit, and you should. You've got to move. It says, but godliness is profitable unto all things. I'd like you to underline the all things. And then notice there's A and B, having promise of the life that now is. 
So godliness is profitable for you and I right now in this life. Also, and of that, that life, which is to come. Godliness is profitable in eternity. And this is what we're going to look at this morning. Now, notice verse 9. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. But yet we never hear anybody preach on this stuff. I would, I would venture that if I begin to ask people the question of what does godliness mean, I believe I would be hard-pressed to get somebody to give me a, a right answer. They might guess around and fumble around. But, but I think people just don't know. Uh, but we're going to know this morning. You're not going to leave here as, as long as you're awake, as long as you're paying attention. You're not going to leave not knowing what it means. You will know what it means. All right, verse 10. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things, now watch command and teach this ought to be taught all over the place this ought to be laid down on the church as this is what we're supposed to do and yet so very very often uh, never a word is mentioned i'd like you to write this down godliness godliness is a godly character it has to do with your character Holiness, which is almost synonymous, it has to do with the purity of heart. So godliness has to do with your character. Holiness has to do with your heart. And very different. Similar, but very different. A religion that is of no use to you while you live will be of no use to you when you die. So if you go to these foreign countries and they worship these idols and, and there's a big fire, then they have to run into the huts and grab their idols, bring their idols out of the hut because it's on fire. They have to save their idols. Listen, this morning, if you've got to save your God, your God can't do very much for you. Not very much at all. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Lord's desire in 1 Timothy chapter 4 from verse 7, 8, and 9 is that we exercise. We're going to work out. Uh, we're going to have a regiment of exercise in a godly manner. And uh, I've got some things. Uh, keep your hand there and go to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. What does your spiritual exercise regimen, what does it look like? You know, most people, they go to the gym, they run, they walk, they lift weights. Maybe they swim, maybe they bicycle, uh, maybe they lift weights. They have a regimen. Uh, Shelly and I try to walk uh, 30 minutes, 
three or four or five times a week, best we can. Um, I don't do it all the time. She's even better at it than I am. But but you have to move. You have to move. You say, well, I don't feel like it. Doesn't matter. You have to move. The same thing goes in our Christian life. We have to exercise ourselves unto godliness. Now, I'll give you some things of a spiritual exercise to read your Bible. That would be a spiritual exercise to study. So just like uh, on Sunday nights, we're doing our discipleship class, and, and you can take some time, two or three hours a week, go over all the stuff you get, and that's spiritual exercise. Uh, you can memorize scripture. That's an exercise. Uh, you can go through and be a blessing to folks. There's some spiritual exercise. You can try and pass out tracts or win people to Christ. That's a spiritual exercise. Now, I'd like you to write this down. When you exercise unto godliness, you burn spiritual fat. Fat. People, you know, we get fat. How do you get rid of it? Well, you're going to have to exercise. You can build muscles. You can gain strength spiritually. Now, Matthew chapter 16. Now, watch very closely. Matthew chapter 16. This is a verse you should know. It says, for what is a man profited? If he, if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Less a bad trade. If you had all the money in this world and you died without Christ, you lost. You lost. It profits a man nothing to gain the whole world and lose his own soul. Matthew chapter 16, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 26. Excuse me. Now let's go back to 1 Timothy. I'm going to give you quite a few verses. I'll read them to you. We won't turn for time. But if you would, uh, I'd like you to write them down. Now, number one, verse eight. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. Godliness is profitable for a man's physical health. You're telling me then reading my Bible and studying and singing and winning people to Christ is good for my physical health? The answer is yes. That's what the book says. It gives a man habits that puts one in a favorable health. I'll give you some examples. If a man's reading his Bible and believing it, he tends to not be a sluggard. He tends to do his very best. He tries to win others, the world, to Christ. He lays down his vices, all of which will make his physical health so much better. It produces a cheerful countenance. That's what good health, it gives you that. How many of you know somebody that's doom and gloom all the time? 
I mean, it's terrible. I, I can't hardly be around it long. Uh, worry, unrest, ungodliness. I mean, it, it is just like sucking all the life right out of you. How many of you have ever been around somebody that when you left, you thought, man, I don't have nothing. <laughs> they done drained you of everything. Watch this. When there is no godliness, then the body pulls this trick. Ulcers, rashes, heart attacks, strokes, and a myriad of other things. Godly, godliness, I'd like you to make this little note, induces industry in a believer. It'll cause you to think when you begin to exercise spiritually. There is no such thing as good health without a positive spiritual work in our lives. Doesn't work. You say, well, how do I get some good health? Well, you start exercising spiritually, and the Bible says <clears throat> that it is profitable in all things. If I take two men of equally good physical condition, one's saved, one's not, the saved one generally will always outlive the lost, almost always. You say, why is that? One's exercised spiritually and one didn't. One's exercised spiritually and one didn't. Godliness is profitable for a man's physical health. Please write down John chapter 6 and in verse 63, the Bible says it is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Spiritual exercise. Charity is one. All right, number two. Godliness is profitable for the intellect. It'll help keep your mind straight. It gives a man a brightness to his thinking. It gives him strength to his imagination and a new force to his will. Changes everything, but you have to exercise. You can't sit there and pull this trick. Well, I'm gonna go on a diet Monday. I'm going to start reading my Bible Monday. I'm going to start exercising spiritually Monday. No, Monday never happens. It has to be today. And so as we look this morning at our spiritual exercise unto godliness and our character, again, let me ask the question, what is your regime? What is it you do? It's profitable for the intellect. Christ becomes our foundation of good mental health. But you have to, you're going to have to exercise it. They say that uh, a mind is a terrible thing to lose. Uh, it's true. Godliness is the best <clears throat> mental discipline 
that you can have. It is the best. It'll get your thinking straightened up. You say, Rode Kaufman, now just exactly how do you know that? Watch this verse. <clears throat> and be transformed by the what? Renewing of your what? Of your mind. You have to exercise it. Change your thinking. People go, well, I don't need to exercise. Right, right, right. Uh -huh. Your thinking's all screwed up. You don't even know it. Uh, write down 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. The Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God might be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. <clears throat> Number three, godliness is profitable for your disposition. <clears throat> this is good for all of us. Anybody here ever wake up on the wrong side of the bed? Anybody ever tell your kids to go get back in bed and get up on the other side? You know, their disposition was pretty stinky. How about this one? Please write this down. Happy in a sad world. Happy in a sad world. When things are falling apart, when you're in the midst of the storm, you can have joy unspeakable and full of glory. When a man is cross, hateful, fretful, full of worry, bewilderment, wicked inclinations, the answer is the Lord Jesus Christ. The answer is exercising unto godliness. There were two businessmen in New York City. They were in the same business. They were fierce competitors. I mean, fierce competitors. They hated each other. And they did everything each other could to mash the other one. Well, the one business guy gets saved. And so he starts sending business to his, uh, to the guy that uh, he hated so much. Well, that guy just was flabbergasted. What is he doing sending me business? So he goes to see him and says, what are you doing? We're enemies. He says, no. He says, we're only enemies to Christ. And Christ died for his enemies. And I wanted you to see that Christ died for you. And his enemy got saved. It is the cure for a bad temper. It is the cure for selfishness. It is the cure for pride. All you have to do is exercise. Godliness is profitable in your worldly business. Watch this. Whatever business that is, whether you're a secretary, whether you're a farmer, whether you're a housewife, whether you're an attorney, whether you're in whatever it is, <clears throat> spiritual exercise will make your business better if you'll exercise. Uh, I'll give you another one. Titus chapter three. Titus chapter three, verse eight says, believing, uh, believing God might be careful to maintain good works, these things are good and profitable unto men. 
<clears throat> Number five, godliness is profitable for eternity. Now, back to 1 Timothy chapter 4. <clears throat> My sugar is dropping. I need some sugar. Sit down here. Huh? Was it? Yeah. Maybe. <clears throat> All right. First Timothy chapter five or four. <clears throat> yeah, I'm gonna have to sit down. Hang on here, just a minute. Let me get a little sugar in me. Brother James, do what? You need Billy to pray so you can take a little break. No, I'm all right. All right. It says, for that which is to come. So godliness is profitable in the life of eternity. Please write this down. Your rewards, your crowns, and the souls of men. All right, now, let's everybody bow their heads. So if everybody's heads bowed now for just a moment, everybody's eyes closed. Let me ask you a question. What about your spiritual exercise? You know, I did not give you a list of do's and don'ts. I did not give you a list that said, well, if you do this and this and this, you're a spiritual giant. Let God make you. Let God work with you. And he will, if you'll let him. All right, Father, thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for preserving it for us. I pray that uh, you might help it to stir our hearts, help us to be the kind of people, God, that you would be pleased with. I ask it all in Jesus' name, and for his sake I pray. Amen. All right.